This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, uh, this evening I want to talk to you <clears throat> about the path, okay? Oh, the Bible uses that word so many places, and it has to do with the path and the way, has all to do with guidance and direction and where we should be going and all. So we're just going to kind of start this just a wee bit. Uh, let's see here. In Psalm 77, verse 19. Do we have that verse? Yeah? We do. Awesome. I added it the last, very last thing, so I wasn't sure I had it on there or not. But it says, your road leads through what? The sea, you know, talking to God. Your road leads through the sea. Your pathway through the might, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You know, when the uh, Israelites walked through the Red Sea, it opened up and they walked through on dry ground. About three million people did. No one knew that was there. But the Bible says that pathway was there before they ever got there. God had made it for them. And what I'm going to tell you, if, if we learn to follow Almighty God, you're going to find that everything you need is already there. Before you even need it, it's already there. It genuinely is, you know. It says a pathway that no one knew was there. God has made an awesome, fantastic pathway it says here in Psalms 25, and it's really a prayer. It says, show me the path. Show me the path. We're talking about a, a path. You see a path here on this uh, picture here? See a path going through the woods there? And there are paths everywhere. I mean, there's all kinds of paths, even though you can't see them, even going through the ocean and all, the Red Sea and all. But he says, show me the path where I should walk. Lord, Show me the path where I should walk. Oh, Lord, point out the right road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth. Lead me by your, your truth. Lead me by the truth. Not a fortune teller, you know, not somebody's book that they wrote and how you should do what they did. But he says, here's a prayer. Point out the right road for me to follow and lead me by your truth. This is a manufacturer's handbook. Our manufacturer, God created you and me. He's a manufacturer, and we're his creation, and he wrote this book for us. And he says, lead me, this is his prayer, lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. Saves me from all my sins, forgives me, and, and has made a place for me in heaven with him that all of eternity. Says, you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you for everything. I'm going to tell you, in this day in which we live, a lot of people have lost hope. They've become hopeless. You know what the word hope means? A confident expectation for the future. And a lot of people don't have no expectation. They just think gloom and despair and agony on me, you know. They look into the future and they, they have despair. A lot of people are hopeless about their Physical, they're financial, they're relational, they're everything. So many people I see are hopeless. 
And here as he's praying, he says, all day long I put my hope in you. I'm going to follow your path. You created me, and you've made a path for me to follow. And the path of Almighty God, it has his blessings all over that path. It does. Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, you will show me the path of life. You'll, you'll show me the path of life. Not just the path through the woods, but you'll show me the path of life. It's all about an abundant life and eventually eternal life. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, some people got a little splash of happiness. And that all is based upon what happens, you know. But joy don't disappear. Now, I know I already got in trouble for saying this word earlier today. I'm going to say it again. You can maintain joy I hesitate to say this word. Oh, people got really upset with me. If it snows. <laughs> See, happiness has to do with what happens. But joy, you can have joy if you got four foot of snow. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Now I'm not praying for snow. We used to, but we don't pray no more. Our prayers are still being answered from years of praying about it. You know, it's coming. But uh, he says here, you know, he says, you will show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, when you live close to God and you're following him on the path that he has put for you, at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And I'm not talking about those pleasures that you got and it wears off and then you put whatever that thing was in a tag sale. I'm talking about a pleasure that's pure that's fulfilling, that is satisfying. That's what I'm talking about. But I love that part. It says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And here's an article I came across, and I thought you might get a charge out of it, because I sure did. When a mother, she saw a thunderstorm forming in the mid-afternoon, and she was so worried about her seven-year-old daughter who would be walking the three blocks from school home. Deciding to meet her, the mother saw her walking nonchalantly along, stopping to smile whenever lightning flashed. She was walking home in this terrible storm, and it would lightning, and she would go. <laughs> Seeing her mother, the little girl ran to her, explaining happily, all the way home, God's been taking my picture. Now, isn't that an awesome attitude? Now, I'm talking about this word here. In your presence is fullness of joy. She had joy. She wasn't afraid of the lightning. She wasn't afraid of the storm or the clouds or nothing like that. She just considered that God just taking a picture of me. You know? So I know next time we have lightning, y'all going to be doing the same thing, right? People go, what's my neighbor out there doing, you know? But he says, you will show me the path of life. And when I'm on the path of life, this abundant life that leads into eternal life, oh, there's fullness of joy. And being right beside you, there is pleasures that lead into eternity forevermore when you're on the path. You probably remember this statement that a lot of people have made that it used to be said years ago, and probably still say it today, that all roads lead to 
How many would say Rome? Well, you're the people I'm talking about. You should have spoke up louder. All roads lead to Rome. Rome. You rest of you guys are just too young, <laughs> or you don't read, or you don't watch TV or something. I don't know. But we've, we've heard it. I've heard it all of my life. All roads lead to Rome. Now, I'm, I'm talking about the path here. You know, so hopefully we can capture that concept, but... I've come across it all my life. All roads lead to Rome. Now, some have mistakenly assumed that all roads lead to heaven. Mistakenly, they have assumed that. Many people believe that we're all going to make it to heaven if we just live a good life because all paths lead to God. Not... (laughs) That ain't the truth. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, John chapter 14, familiar passage to some of you. Jesus told them, Jesus said, I'm the way. And in several other translations, he says, I am the way, the only way. I'm the way. I am the path is what he's saying. I am the way. Jesus Christ, the Messiah who came, who was crucified. He came to be crucified. And then he rose from the dead. He says... I am the way, the only way, the truth, the only truth, and the life, the only life. What's the next two words say? No one can come to the Father. We're talking about Father God in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. There are not all roads lead to heaven. And you know, good well, all roads don't lead to Rome either. It was a saying. It was clever. But it's not true. And all roads don't lead to Rome. You know what this is? What kind of skin? Sheepskin. That's exactly what it is. Now, we was doing a little bit of reading and came across this concept I'd heard a long time ago about a Judas goat. Anybody ever heard of a Judas goat? Well, here's a, a packaging plant, a place where they slaughter animals. Cows and pigs and chickens and sheep and all. And uh, this time of the year, they had pens. I mean, hundreds and hundreds in these pens, hundreds of sheep. And sheep are not the smartest animal out there. They're really low on the totem pole of being smart. I'm just being honest with you. That's just the way sheep are. They need us to take care of them. You know, like a shepherd. And I might be saying something about... The Lord is my shepherd, you know. We might not be that smart. We need our shepherd, you know what I'm saying? I think we do. But the thing is, when they had these sheep, they're waiting their turn to go into the packaging plant. And you can see that they are alarmed. You know, the smell, the fear is in the air. And uh, they could just go crazy and go berserk out there. And then the owners of the packaging plant, they 
have a ramp that goes up into the packaging plant where they do what they got to do. And then coming down the ramp is this goat. He owns the place. He acts like. He walks down the ramp there and he looks around, you know, kind of dances his little feet around a little bit, and then he turns around to go back up the ramp. And then he stops and looks over his shoulder as to say, guys, come on, it's okay. And then he starts walking back up the ramp, and the sheep looking like, well, it must be okay because he's going over there, you know. So they follow him up the ramp. As soon as he gets to the top of the ramp, there's a little door for him. He goes into the door to the left, and it closes. When the sheep get up there, hey, where did he go? He's gone. And the only way to go now is to the right. And after they've been in the packaging plant for a little while, you can buy one of these. <laughs> nice sheepskin, you know. And you can go to the grocery store and find the rest of them. Lamb chops, you know. Mutton, whatever it might be. This is a little sheepskin I got years ago. I often carry around with me, throw it down when I want to pray. But the thing is, all roads don't lead to Rome. You hear what I'm saying? And all roads don't lead to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it says here in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there is a, there is a path. There is a path before each person. Every one of you, there's these paths in front of us. But he's talking about a special kind. He says, there is a path before each person that, what's that next word? Seems. It seems right, but it ends in death. There is a path in front of those sheep there that seems, hey, our buddy the goat, he's up there. He's smiling. Everything must be okay. Let's go with our buddy the goat. Hey, where'd our buddy go? And then the packaging plant was waiting for them. And they all lost their lives before long and ended up in a grocery store. And some of them ended up as a something I kneel on when I pray, you know? So it really, that path wasn't really for their benefit, was it? And I'm going to tell you, just because there's a path in front of you that someone told you about or you read, it don't mean it's the right path. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through Jesus. Jesus said that his own self. You know, that's what he said. Now, you need to understand something. God allows on this path called life, God allows U-turns. You ever make a U-turn? You ever see signs that say don't do a U-turn? You ever did a U-turn anyhow? Because you're going the wrong way, you know? I'm not going to tell you if I ever did that or not. But how would I know you could do that if I hadn't already done one one time? I don't know. But God allows a U-turn. You know what a U-turn is? When the Bible talks about repentance, it's just talking about change direction. Because... How many of you have been down a dead-end road? And if you finally see a sign, dead-end road, you, well, you know, it's like 20 miles, so I hit the end of that thing. Are you want to go and see the, the end of it? Probably not. It's just like, I'm going to cut my losses 
I'm going to do a U-turn right now. All paths do not lead to heaven. That's what I'm trying to say. There is a path before each person that seems right. These are passages that would be good for us to memorize or to have them scribbled inside of our Bible somewhere when people are asking us questions. There is a path before us that seems right. It sure did to all them sheep, but the end thereof, it ends in, in death. And it's all about a choice. I got to make a choice. Am I going to go left or am I going to go right? Am I going to go straight? Which, which path am I going to take? And when you recognize you're on a dead-end road, the best thing you can do is do a U-turn and change your direction. Change your direction if you know you're on a dead-end road. Uh, in John chapter nine, uh, 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Y'all familiar with the gate? You know, it's the door of sorts. It's more for outside kind of a thing. Yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. They'll come and go freely, and will find good pasture. When you go through the gate, who is Jesus? Other translations would say, Jesus says, I am the door. That's the way you get to heaven, folks. That's the way you, you get in a relationship, you know, with the Almighty, and it's through his son, whose name is Jesus. And then... A verse I think we might have read it last week, or not too long ago, in John chapter 1, verse 51, it says, And then he, Jesus, said, I'll tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open, and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man. The Son of Man is talking about Jesus. But he's functioning as he laid down his divinity. He's functioning as a sacrifice, as a man and not just as a supernatural, powerful, almighty God being. And he says here, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus is the one who the Bible says is the stairway between heaven and and earth. He, and there's only one stairway to get there. Now, I know, I, I talked about it a little bit, I think it was last week, a wee bit. Does anybody know who wrote the, the song Stairway to Heaven? Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. And let me just read you the first three lines of the song. I'm not going to sing it or nothing, okay? It starts off, this is the first words in his song, There's Stairway to Heaven. There's a lady. Must be the music that goes along with the song or something. I'm not sure. There's a lady who's sure that all that glitters is gold. Y'all believe that all that glitters is gold? I don't think so. And she's buying a stairway to heaven. Any of you guys want to buy a stairway to heaven? What about the uh, Brooklyn Bridge or another bridge or something or another? Here's a lady who thinks that all that glitters is gold and she's going to buy a stairway to heaven. That's the way Led Zeppelin's song, Show It Heaven, is. But the Bible says, you know, the Bible says, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, as Jesus talking about himself, the one, talking about himself, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. God, he continually says, Jesus Jesus says it about himself. He is the stairway. He is the path. 
He's the only way. He's the truth. He's the only way to get to heaven. And it tells us here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not half of your heart. And you know half-hearted stuff. You know people who are in love, but they're kind of half-hearted, you know. That don't, don't really work so well. But he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Because things are not always the way they seem, are they? You know, I mean, to the sheep, it's like it seemed like, oh, they're going somewhere nice. Things are not always the way they seem. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will. Seek God's will. Your manufacturer, your creator who created you, seek his will. And he's given us a book about it. Seek his will in all you do. Everything, whatever it is that you're doing, seek God. Come, your heavenly father, my father God, I need your wisdom and I need your direction. I want to know your path that you created for me. You've made a pathway for me that I don't even know is there yet. And he says here, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Wow. God, I just just need your wisdom and your direction. You created me. You know what makes me tick and, and all. Would you show me? And he promises right here, he'll show you which path to take. There was a minister I was reading about. And he was out taking a, a walk on this beautiful day, kind of like today is. And he noticed his little boy in this real nice section of town there. And he was trying to ring the doorbell at the front of his house. You know, but he was a short little guy. And this doorbell was actually placed a little bit higher than most doorbells are. And he was jumping, trying to ring the doorbell. So the pastor felt compassion on this little guy, this cute little guy. He came up there and just aggressively rang the doorbell for him and said, now what? And the little kid said, run like crazy. <laughs> so they both ran. <laughs> the kid was pulling a prank, and the pastor got caught up in it, you know. Things are not always the way they seem, are they? Not in his situation. I, I wish I knew what happened after that, you know. Now, if I was on a, a Harley... Davidson motorcycle with my uncle once upon a time, Uncle Harvey, down south. And we were riding, and we came in this vicinity. It's a, it's a big paper bill. It's called Bowwater. It's out in the country. And there's some land that had been cleared, and they took the topsoil off. And there's this big old ramp out in the middle of this place where they'd taken all the trees down and all. And we go run up, up that ramp. And right at the top of the ramp, He locked his brakes down, and we almost lost it. (laughs) I was at the top of the ramp. There was a hole about twice the size of that screen there. And what it was designed for was these big old earth movers that scrape up all this dirt. Then they drive up on the ramp. There's a little place for their tires on both sides, and a dump truck comes under. And they dump all the dirt in it. And we ran up the top of that hill because we couldn't see it. And almost ran off and dropped 20 foot down just on a motorcycle. That would not have been fun, I don't think, you know. Things are not always the way they seem. And there's a way that 
seems right. <laughs> There's a way that seems right. But the end of thereof is death. Let's what it says here. I'm going to read once again. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I'm going to read you out of the Message Bible. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. And don't try to figure out everything on your own. We do try to figure stuff out, don't we? He says, but don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice occasionally. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, I, I see that now. I'm glad you caught that. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. Because he is your manufacturer, he is your creator, and he loves you, and he wants the best for you. And God is not a party pooper. Let me tell you, when you get to heaven one day, you're going to see a party, okay? That blows anything you've ever experienced here away. God is crazy about you, and he created the planet, and everything that's good and wonderful and fantastic. It's just like, this is all about him. And he says here, don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume. Assume is, is, is another word for guess. Don't just guess. You getting ready to get married? You kind of close your eyes and you spin around in circles in the mall. You go, okay, I'm going to marry... Oh, it's a lamp. <laughs> Don't just guess. Let's find out what God's will is. And, and God shows us his will through his word. He's the one who keeps you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. How many of you do know that you don't know it all? God bless you. Psalms 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for what? For my path. And if you don't have God and his word, we're just like rambling through the darkness, bumping into things and wondering what that was and why am I hurt and people just get tired of life because they feel like they're in, 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 in a darkness and without any purpose. But he says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. William Johnson said this about God's word, the Bible. He said, generations follow generations, yet it lives. Nations rise and fall, yet it lives. Kings and dictators and presidents come and go, yet it lives. Torn, condemned, burned, yet it lives. Doubted, you know, suspected, criticized, yet it lives. Damned by atheists, yet it lives. Exaggerated by fanatics, yet it lives. Misconstrued and, and, and misstated, yet it lives. It's inspiration denied, yet it lives. It lives, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. A standard for childhood, a guide for youth, a comfort for the aged, food for the hungry, water for the thirsty, rest for the weary, light for the heathen, salvation for the sinner, grace for the Christian. To know it is to love it, 
To love it is to accept it. To accept it means life eternal. And it lives. God, your creator, has made sure that the Bible continues to live. And I'm going to be honest with you right now, there are so many Bibles on this planet. It is unbelievable. You know, I probably got about 75 of them right here in my phone. But then I can access millions of others, you know, with that little old thing there. The Bible lives because God wanted you and me to have access to it, you know. Have you ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant? You ever heard of that most holy place, you know, the, the presence of Almighty God who went through the wilderness for, um, you know, direction and guidance and all for his people coming out of the bondage of Egypt, going toward the promised land. And uh, during the daytime, the Bible is very clear, there was a massive cloud that came up and created like this umbrella of shade for three million people wandering through the wilderness. And this cloud would come up and begin to move. And they followed it. That's how they got direction in the Bible. It was the presence of Almighty God at that time in the Ark of the Covenant. That's where God's seat was at on the earth at that time. And at nighttime, it became this pillar, just like it was during the daytime, but it was a pillar of fire. And if it moved, you moved with it. It's amazing how powerful God's word was. And it was very clear when you saw the cloud moving, you knew it's time to move. It was very clear. Now, it'd be kind of cool if our Bible would kind of go, you know, it's time to move. But we have to read it to find direction and wisdom and guidance in this day and time. But light, it sets us free. You know, I was reading about this uh, pastor who had this problem, he got some birds in his church building, he couldn't get them out, because they're flying up high like this, and he couldn't get them out. So finally, they found the solution to the problem. They came about a time like this, and they turned all the lights off. And then they opened one door and turned a light on out there leading to the outside. And guess what the birds did? They headed to the light, and they got free. <laughs> God's word is light. And I'm telling you, it sets us free from the darkness and all the other bad things that's in this old world. John chapter 8, verse 12, it tells us this. It says, I am Jesus. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me on his path, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Because he's the light of the world and he leads us into the light. He leads us away from darkness. But they will have the light of life. Now I'm going to read it one more time. I know I've already read it twice. But I want to read you Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 through 10 this time in the Message Bible. Some of it you've heard. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Hmm. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice. Not occasionally, but in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from the devil. How many of you guys are here runners? Any runners? Are you a runner? Yeah. Who else is a runner? 
how come you're putting your hands down? It was a bunch of hands went up a while ago. He said, he's going to ask us to do something. <laughs> I need a lady who is a runner. Any ladies here who run? Can I borrow you for just a second? Okay. Uh, you're, you're not off the hook yet. Can I borrow you too? Come on. Okay, I appreciate you. I'm, I'm just a little bit crazy sometimes, and I try to make a point. So, okay. I want you to go to the back. But don't go yet. And then when I say go, you're going to be running from evil up here as quick as you can. Got it? And when I say go, you're going to be running toward God who's up here. Got it? Both the same thing, really, if you think about it. If you're running toward God, you're running away from evil. Yeah, yeah, just get up here. <laughs> okay, you know what? First one who touches my sheepskin wins. <laughs> Go to the back of the room, okay? <laughs> You'll probably feel really bad, Randy, if you beat this girl. <laughs> Y'all ready? On your mark. I get in the middle to make it fair. Get set. Go. Woohoo! Okay, that was almost a tie. Give him a grand applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But what I wanted to do here, I wanted you because I wasn't sure you understood what it means when it says run. You know. You seen them guys run? One was running from darkness and from evil. One was just running toward God. And they just about tied. Just about tied. Well, it says here, it says, he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. The Bible says that. Well, when you need God, run to him. Exert all your energies, everything in you to get to God. He's your creator, the manufacturer, if you would. And he's there for you. And he's got a path that you don't even know about yet. You're all worried and nervous. And he's got a path set for you that you don't know about. He had a path through the Red Sea that the Israelites didn't know about. But when it came time, the Egyptian army was coming down on them, getting ready to crush them. And Moses went out there and he, he put his stick in the water there. It opened up and there was a path that the Bible says was there all along, but nobody knew about it. God's got a path for you. He's got a path for you if you run to him. And you're running from darkness. And you all know what it looks like to run? Do we need to illustrate that again? How many of y'all? Okay. He says, run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Now let me ask you a question here. How would you like that your body would be glowing with health. Is that okay with you? Well, then run to God and run from evil. That's what he's telling us to do. And keep on track and listen to what God has to do. It has to say about everything. And then he says, then you're going to glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. 
Are you honoring God with everything you own? Everything that you got. Are you dishonoring him? Is there things that you got that brings dishonor to God? Well, he says here, honor God with everything you own. Give him the last of, huh? Give him the first and the best. What what he's talking about here is the tithe. And your barns will will burst. And he talks about your, your vats will overflow. And when you're running to God and finding out God's will and God's ways of doing things, you're finding out God's path that was created for you and it's custom designed for you. And you will be blessed as a Children of Israel, they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. And then when the Egyptian army came with their chariots and their weapons and off, then that Red Sea just closed back up. But there wasn't one Israelite in that water. Once the last one stepped ashore, God had that path for them to escape from the uh, domination of the Egyptians that they had on them for so long. Because they were slaves there for so long. Anyhow, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says... There is a path before each person that seems right. It gives the impression, oh, well, this is the right thing to do. And don't a lot of people look at circumstances? If I've seen it so many times. God, would you pray for me to find the right girl? Some girl comes across his path, and she looks at him. That's her. Just because she looked at him. Does that mean that she, that's the right one? No. Somebody comes up and says, I just feel like God wants me to move. And somebody comes around and gives you a one-way ticket to some other part of the world. Rome. <laughs> Does that mean you should go to Rome? Maybe the devil wants to get you there and kill you. What I'm saying is circumstances is the very last thing you ever use for guidance and direction. And, and, and we can learn how to discern the will of God. And that's another lesson that we'll talk about at another time. But it says, there is a path, we've already read it, before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It seems right when you have a fantastic harvest, you know, and you filled up your barns and your silos. It feels right just to store it and store it and store it. Not going to plant it. What happens if you don't ever plant any of the seed that you got? It's probably going to rot. The mice are going to enjoy it, and you're not going to have any more increase. What if you eat some of it, you sell some of it, but you plant some of it? What's going to happen? You're always going to have an abundant supply. And that's some of the things that God teaches us about generosity. That's part of his path. But sometimes we do it our way, and it leads to the death of the crop, and so forth and so on. Now, let me see if I have that back here. (laughs) You know what this is? You ever had to carry one of these down the side of the road before? I have. Not recently, though. But when I was in school, junior high, it's crazy, no, senior high, the last two years of my school, you know, left 12th grade, a little bit in the 10th, believe it or not, southern people paid the students.
to drive a school bus. I drove a school bus with 68 kids on it, you know, when I was 15 and a half. And when I was 16, well, then I had a green light. You know, you can go anywhere. You can even drive at night now. Wasn't too smart, but I remember when I was taking the bus driver's training that they showed us a picture of a gas can about like that. And they showed us a picture of a bus. And the bus was blackened and all twisted. And the gas can was hardly recognizable because there was some teenagers who slipped into the bus lot one night to steal some gas for their car. And one of them was trying to see how much gas was in the thing. So he lit his little, I'm going to get over here. He lit his match and held it down there. And guess what happened? It blew up. It blew the bus up and it blew them up and they didn't survive it. There is a way that seems right. Let's see how much gas is in there. There is a way that seems right, but the end thereof is the way of death. But God's word tells you what's right. It leads you and it guides you. It's the manufacturer's handbook. Whatever you need to know about life, God will get you that information. I promise you, if you seek him in the midst of it. If you seek him in all you do, he says he'll direct your path. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. I'm going to go put this back. Oh, I don't spill none of it. There was no gas in it, really. That was probably just water. It says in Philippians 3.17, it says, stick with me. This is Paul talking about. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. Those paths lead to destruction. I've warned you of them many times, and sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. The cross means you take up the cross and you deny yourself and you follow him. And no one wants to deny themselves. And that's what he's saying here. They hate Christ's cross, but easy street. That's what they like. But easy street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their God. Belches are their praise. And all they can think of is their appetites. I mean, in every which way, every kind of appetite you got. That's what some people live for. And they're not following the path that God set for them. They're just doing what they want to do. But God allows U-turns. And when you come to a place in life where you recognize, I'm going nowhere, we can just repent. We change our direction and we ask God to lead us and guide us in the best pathway for our lives. Isaiah 30, verse 21, it says, You will hear a voice. You will hear a voice say, This is the way. Turn around and walk here. God is inviting us to repent, to change our direction and go in the direction 
that honors him and that he is blessed. Even though you never knew that path was there. Like the people who went through the Red Sea, they didn't know that path was there, but God had put it there before they even had a need of it. And God has a path for you and me, and he reveals it to us through his word. Absolutely. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Don't fool yourselves. Don't think that you can be wise merely by being up to date with the times. Some people say, well, Pastor Ron, that's an old book you got there. You know, we're way beyond them old times, you know. We got the new improved. Don't fool yourself. Don't think you can be wise merely by being up to date with the times. Be God's fool. Because that's what some people will call you if, if you're living by the Bible. You know, you're a fool. Well, that's right. I'm a fool for God. I'll do anything he wants me to do. But whose fool are you? Be God's fool, it says here in the Message Bible. That's the path to true wisdom. We're talking about paths here. Be God's fool. That's the path to true wisdom. What the world called smart, God calls what? Stupid. It's written in Scripture. He exposes the chicanery, which means trickery and deception, of the chick. And the chick here means stylish, fashionable. Oh, we're with the times, man. God calls that so stupid. It's written in the scripture. He exposes the chicanery of the chick. The master sees through the smoke screen of the know-it-alls. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, it says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads. You know, we got a... Uh, Crossroads all around us here. You know, there's a traffic light down there, and you gotta, you make a decision which way you're going. It says, This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and, and look around, you know, discern, you know, what's around you. Ask for the Lord. Ask for the old godly way. Ask for the old godly way. It's still the number one bestseller ever even if it is an old book. <laughs> Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. <laughs> Travel its paths and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. When the manufacturer gives you <laughs> the winning number, when he gives you the winning direction, when he shows you what will satisfy you and bring you the most fantastic joy and success in heaven. Well, we don't want to go that way. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says, you can either, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow, narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and this gate is wide for the many who do what? They choose that way. They, I, well, if, if everybody's doing it. It can't be wrong if everybody's doing it. <laughs> can't be wrong. If everybody's doing it, it can't be wrong, right? I read about, it was a military situation going on. And there was a guy, he's a guard standing there letting people go by down this road if they had the proper pass. He'd been doing it all day long. And one of the generals who was going down that place, 
went down the, he went down there. He didn't feel right about it. He just locked his brakes down, and the bridge was out. And there were hundreds of cars down at the bottom because you couldn't see it. You came up a little hill, boom, it was gone. He came back there and was fussing and cussing at this private who was directing him. He said, why didn't you stop people? He said, well, no one else complained before, you know. They were all dead. Just because everybody's driving off a cliff, does it mean it's what you ought to do? Absolutely not. It says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Only a few ever find it. Because if you make that choice, I don't want to go that way. We just read about it there in Jeremiah 6, 16. No, I don't want to go that way. I don't want, I want to go my way, you know. I don't want to go God's way. Now, I got some awesome things I want to share with you, but I just can't get to them right now. But let me leave you with this. It was over in Africa somewhere. There was these uh, natives who had come to know Christ, and, and they had a, a fantastic relationship with the Almighty God. And their little thatched huts where they lived, they all learned the discipleship, you know, through the disciplines of a devotion. So they'd all get up at different times of the night or the morning and they'd walk out their little shack and they'd go down uh, and make a little path out into the jungle where they would go have some solitude and pray. And they were phenomenal. God was working in them and using them. But as time progressed, because they really loved each other and they wanted to help each other and, and strengthen each other. And every once in a while, what would happen one of your neighbors would come and say this, there's grass on your path, brother. There's grass on your path. It means that you're not walking out in the woods no more to your little place of devotion because when you go out there daily, you wear the grass down. And that's what I'm asking you before we turn you loose. Is there grass on your path? Do you go to God and seek him, you know, for direction on the pathway of life? Or is there grass on your path? So we got so much to do nowadays. You can watch TV nonstop. You can surf the Internet nonstop. You can talk and text nonstop and email nonstop. And there's hardly time to go on that path and spend a little bit of time with God. It's kind of hard to do that because we got so much to do. We can do. But I want to tell you, God will lead you and guide you into the best pathway for your life if you'll allow him to. That's what he wants to do if you'll allow him. A pathway that you think, well, nobody could get me on the path to get me where I really want to be and where I need to be right now. And God has a path that nobody knows about. He's already set into motion, take care of you. And, and you cannot imagine how awesome and fantastic and wonderful God's plans for you are. But if we'll go to him, he'll help us each step of the way. But I want to ask you again, is there grass on your path? If there is, there's something you can do about it. Well, we'll have to pick up here at another time. But I want you to be thinking about 
the path. The path that God has for you. Your portion of it, is it covered with grass? Are you making time to spend with him who knows everything about you and everything about the future? And he can change the world in a heartbeat. Are you making time for him? I'm going to tell you, that's the wisest thing you and I could ever do. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. And I thank you that you do love us. You're crazy about us. And I thank you that you have a pathway established very clearly for each and every one of us, even before we were born. You knew us before we were born. And you know all of the battles and all of the struggles that we would have in life. And you've made all the provisions that we'll ever need in life. You promise that you'll do that. And Lord, we just surrender. And we just cast ourselves over upon your, your mercy and your grace and your word. Lord, cause faith to rise up within us. Give us a determination. Help us to become disciplined men and women who will discipline ourselves to follow you closely. And we just want your will to be done in us and your will to be done through us. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you to join me to reaffirm your faith in Christ. And maybe you're here in this building or maybe you're watching online and maybe you've never ever made a, a declaration of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you can do that right now and you can welcome him and begin to follow the way he set for you. So would you pray with me? Right now, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe you got a plan for my life. You've set a path for me to follow. And I want to find that path. And I want to follow it. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he paid for all my sins. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, as my King, as my provider, as my healer, as my shepherd, as my peace, as my everything. Jesus Christ, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.